0: Recently, President Biden announced that through executive order, he was going to reduce everyone's student debt by up to $20,000. What effect should we expect that to have? Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan Sides.
1: I'm Charles Churchill. And I'm Joshua Horn.
0: So as we near the midterm election... Politicians tend to do things to try to win votes, and I think it's fair to say that President Biden announced that he was going to, to forgive up to $20,000 in student debt for people that you know had, had loans from college. And I think that affects about something like 45 million Americans, mostly in the younger demographic, which tends to vote more Democratic. But so it will have effects there, and it will have effects for the election is what his hope is, I'm sure. But, but what other effects should we expect to see?
2: I mean, so there's the, the speculation about political effects, but it's there's just the basic financial effects that you should expect when you, when you say that you're going to eliminate and forgive a large amount of debt like that, that, well, you're going to see an, a rise in inflation. Um, and we'll talk about why that could happen. But you should also expect that the cost of, college and university attendance is going to rise. There's, there's just absolutely no way that that's going to happen, and it's going to rise faster than the rate of inflation um, because there's going to be the expectation of, well, you did it once, you're going to do it again, um, and money's free and cheap, and it just comes like that. But then, you know, on top of that, it's just further entrenching the financial literacy of a nation that thinks that you can forgive a debt without balancing the scales. Um, And that's, there's spiritual implications of that, that, you know, we're going towards. It's one of the reasons I'm interested in doing this episode.
0: I think, you know, another thing, and we'll deal with all those three, but another thing is that I don't think that President Biden's going to get the boost even politically that he expected, because there were a lot of people that immediately went, well, wait a second, I paid off all my debt, and now you're going to forgive their debt. And so the person who ran on being the unifier, the person who does speeches, even though he does very divisive speeches saying that he's trying to bring unity, I think that in the end, this will further divide people. And it's really interesting to me is that the people that it's going to divide, he's, he was clearly politically you look and it would appeal whether he thought it through or not, but he's a politician. He should think it through he thought it through it looks on superficially at least that it's going to appeal to his voters but it's also very against the people that they consider to be the core of of the democratic party because the democratic party has not been majority white for a long time and the reality is that far fewer blacks as a percentage have college debt far fewer hispanics as a percentage have college debt he has very much attacked with this his what has been for a long time considered the political base of the Democratic Party.
2: And for, you know, you want to talk about battleground states, talk about all those Rust Belt states where you have a a skilled blue-collar class that, by and large, aren't going to be people with college educations, but are probably financially literate enough that they understand they're going to be
0: paying for this now. Right. Somebody has to pay for it. You know, just... You know, you can print money, which is what they'll do, but somebody in the end will have to pay for it. And it's a big transfer of wealth from the people that only have high school education to the people who have college education. I was looking at statistics today, and I think that, you know, the person with a high school diploma, when they graduate, they make about 30000 The person with a college diploma, when they graduate, they make about 52000 So they're already starting out making $20,000 more a year in their first year, but yet all of a sudden you're going to give those people an additional 20000 and not expect the person who's making 30000 to very much resent it.
1: I mean, as someone who almost 30 years ago looked at college and said, I didn't think college was necessarily worthwhile from a financial point of view and decided not to go to college as this actual partly financial choice, other reason, I'm not that thrilled that I have You know, that I'm taking that I've now have some percentage of college debt as something that I have to pay off. I mean, that's you know, I mean, so there's not just people who went to college and paid off their debt. There's the people who said, I don't think it's worthwhile because they're turning around. And the argument is, is this that college wasn't a good financial choice for them. And I don't think that's something that you all of a sudden just could have figured out now, because there are a lot of people who saw it over the past 30 years and actually chose not to invest in it. And so, I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's pretty skewed when you read Proverbs. It
0: warns in Proverbs twenty two sixteen, He oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. Ouch! I mean, and as a nation, what President Biden did is said we're going to take twenty thousand dollars from the relative poor, even though we're richer than most countries in the world, the relative poor to give to the rich, and God warns and says they'll come to poverty. And so we shouldn't think, and we're going to talk about ways that this works out financially and why that would be true. But we just need to recognize God says it will be true because it's judgment. And the fact that we're willing to say that, you know, I sit at this table and you you didn't go to college, Charles. Joshua went to college and paid for everything as he went because he didn't like go to college. He stayed home and went to college. I paid off my student debts. I don't know where you are in the mix. but I, I went
2: to two years of community college because it was more affordable. And then I worked through the summers in order to pay for two years of four-year school.
0: And so, you know, all of us have paid our, paid our either paid the debt or didn't incur the debt in the first place. And so all four of us are having to pay money to people who aren't going to pay their debts. And this is – and we can all afford it, maybe. <laughs> No, we can all afford it. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that are poor that are actually going to be hit by it pretty hard. And they're actually going to, to increase taxes, inflation, all these other things. They're going to actually consume money. And so they're basically robbing the poor to pay the rich. This is not something that pleases God.
3: So, you know, but you, you hear that they're forgiving debt. So, But the people they're forgiving debt from, then aren't they the poor people? Because they have thousands of dollars of debt. To be forgiven?
0: Well, first of all, if they made the right purchase decision by purchasing the college education, then basically every purchase decision that you make is to say the, the value of the money that I have is less than the value of the thing I'm going to buy, or you don't buy it, right? And so they said that that college education made them richer, even though they went in debt for it. Now they're turning around and saying it made me poor, so you have to pay off my debt. Well, then you were a fool. You shouldn't buy something that you think is worth less than the money that you're buying it with.
3: But so we're talking about, you know, debt forgiveness and we're talking about people are going to be upset about it. So why would people be upset about it? Because it's not like the government is is sending them a check for twenty thousand dollars. So so how is this going to hurt people who don't have college debt?
0: Well, part of it is, is that effectively they are, even though it doesn't show up that way, because where all of a sudden that person was sending a thousand dollars a month or whatever it was or. $500 a month, they stop sending that $500 a month. And so what you've done effectively is increase the income of other people, which is going to have other problems like inflation and things. But everybody else is going to resent it because they're going to say, because I made a different choice, I don't get that $500 a month that that person who took the student loan gets.
3: And, you know, it's one of the things that was already happening because I think with COVID, for a long time, they shut down the student loan payment. So there were all these things that were having impact on the it economy. It is still shut down. It's So, you know, for a couple of years now, it's been shut down. So, you know, and that's something, I mean, that's, you know, at least the news I read, that's not a number one headline. But it's something that, you know, especially over time, it has a big impact.
1: I mean, when you start getting into the details of the loans as well, I mean, you can take out a loan and you can use it to purchase part of the money to purchase a car for some of your transportation issues and so there's this there's this part of it where it's not it's not just oh i paid for this education it's oh i got the you know they got the loan and they used the loan for different expenses and now you're forgiven twenty thousand dollars of it and other people just got a car to like, you know, they they didn't get they didn't they didn't get a particular loan. There wasn't somebody handing out a loan for them to get the car just to get to work or to to do anything that they needed, or if they wanted to start a business, or they wanted to do something, you know, anything else. And so it's again, it's just it's this there's this irregular thing. And I do think part of it is, is it goes to the idea of mercy. And I think part of it is is the church has a flawed sense of mercy. And so you know, there's this there's this concept of like if a person stole from someone and they came before a judge and the judge said, I'm going to have pity on this person and I'm just going to say, you don't have to pay that money back. A lot of people would say that's merciful, but really he's just said that the person who was stolen from is never going to get his money back. And usually in most cases you get more than what was stolen from you is, you know, is, is what you should be getting. And so he's just literally robbed. He's furthered the robbery against this, per- this individual. So there'll be no justice for him. And so there's this idea of, we just have this skewed sense of justice because when president biden says i feel bad for these people so we're going to give them $20,000 and he calls it mercy there's something that just pulls at people because they go i know you're robbing from somewhere else you are stealing from somewhere else you're this is this is just fundamentally flawed and so there's just it it strikes at the heart of our understanding of justice And so when you look at something that's unjust, that's one of the fundamental things that causes resentment in a society.
0: And one of the things with this, too, you were talking about how, you know, people go and buy cars. Well, one of the things that is very normal is to cover your living expenses. Right. And let's be serious. Most people understand that when you go for a four-year degree, you spend five years because of the amount of drinking you do, the amount of chasing of the opposite sex. I mean, college isn't that much about studying. So basically when you then say we're going to write off $20,000, you're not writing off $20,000 that they use for great academic purposes so that they could become better people and smarter and no, you're writing off $20,000 so that they could have a four or five year vacation. And so if you're a guy out there that's doing steel work where you're going into a factory that's 120 degrees every day, you're sweating next to molten metal. You're, or, you know, working on a construction site or, you know, you can pick anything and you're like doing actual hard labor and you go, and they get paid for a four-year
1: vacation? Right.
0: Why do they get paid to have a four-year vacation and I have to work?
1: Right. I work all day so I can have, so I can go out and drink at night to forget about the fact that I have to work at the at <laughs> right. the still meal as opposed to going and going to, oh, I had to go to classes. I had to write this horrible paper. Do you know, how, you know how hard that is? And he's thinking, I'd love to know how hard that is.
3: Yeah, But, you know, I don't think we want to be saying either that there's no sympathy due to the people who are under, you know, say hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt for some people. Because, you know, that that's a real thing, and I think, and that's...
0: But, again, I think even that, so there's a graph that we have here. So if you look at this graph, you see, and you can use either one, but let's just use the blue for it, that a high school graduate... Over a lifetime will on average make 1.454 million dollars. That's their whole lifetime earnings. Somebody that has a bachelor's degree will make 2.43, I think it says. You know that's, a, that's an extra million dollars that they'll make over their lifetime. And you're giving the 20,000 to the person who's going to make a million dollars more rather than the one who's going to make a million dollars less. And most of the college debt actually isn't held by people who have bachelor's degrees. Most of the college debt is held by people that have graduate degrees. And so a lot of the people that have bachelor's degrees, if they were in a realm that they could actually, you know, a lot of them get grants, they get other things. So a lot of the people that have debt, I mean, a lot of them have some debt, but somebody that has 20000 in debt, they usually went for a graduate degree. The person who gets a graduate degree it's three point o five in other words they make a million and a half dollars roughly more than the person who didn't go to college but yet you're transferring money primarily to them that just seems very unjust so, and that's who you're you're shifting the money from
3: who were there were there limits on uh on who got the money it who was got a, 20,
2: a, a annual salary of one hundred and twenty five thousand which is i mean
1: pretty high.
0: Right. And you think that's the first 10 years of work because a lot of them they just write off everything after 10 years anyway.
1: You're talking about the the terms of the loan, a lot of these government loans, you, the terms of those loans where as long as you pay a certain minimum for 10 years, at the end of the 10 years the government will eliminate the debt entirely. Before President Biden did anything differently, that was already in force. Right. But now you're going to take you'll say we're going to give you an additional 20,000 during that 10-year period to help you pay down the so minimum that, that you have to pay. Right,
0: that the minimum you have to pay then is less during those 10 years, and that at the end it all gets written off.
3: But, you know, I mean, we have the averages, but, you know, and on average, the, those people are going to make more money. But there's when you get to specifics, there's people who got a graduate degree and— you know, underwater basket weaving. That's probably not a graduate program, but what you know, whatever the ridiculous graduate degree you get is, and then they those guys are
1: actually doing fine. The <laughs> demand for underwater basket weavers is <laughs> through the roof right now.
3: But but you know, <laughs> but there's a lot of people out there who got this degree and now they're working at Starbucks and they have a bunch of debt and it is it's a burden to them now. Is it gonna is it gonna bankrupt them? You know, is there gonna be forgiveness for it? You know, after the ten years. But, but it is still a real burden in in that time. It's something that, you know, you look at why do they get into this debt. Well, it was probably a, some bad decision making. But the whole – the way they got that loan was because the federal government put this loan program in place where the free market was not giving out loans for this because it realized, it's you know, crunching the numbers, we're not going to get paid back if we give you this loan. That's why they had to put the federal – student loans in place because because the market said this isn't worth it. And so, but now the government is saying it is worth it. And then now, and but it actually wasn't.
0: And I think you have to be really, really clear because, you know, there's a certain constituency that is far more likely to choose gender studies than to choose electrical engineering, which pays back. I mean, the reality is that, All the woke degrees, quote unquote, all those woke degrees, they're worthless in the marketplace and nobody would fund them. And so the reason you used underwater basket weaving, but how about gender studies? How about black oppression studies? I mean, you have real degrees that people are going and and studying these things that the market would say, this is stupid. History. (laughs) Well, if it's actual history, that would be a different thing because there is a place for A few people to make money in history, like five. Not many get
3: the college (laughs) history
0: professors. (laughs) But there is a huge shift towards those degrees that don't matter and that have no long-term benefit. But what they help is the Democratic Party, because there's a reason why the Democrats are pushing for the loan forgiveness, because the people who need loan forgiveness are not the guy who's going to be a Wall Street banker. That's not who needs the loan forgiveness. It's not the guy that has the Harvard degree on law school. The guy who needs the loan forgiveness is the guy who got a degree in, you know, black studies or something.
1: Well. (laughs) <laughs> let's be honest we're talking about resentment they're doing it because they're a whole bunch of their constituency would resent them for encouraging them to go and get these degrees if they didn't give them forgiveness you said I should go and get this degree you said this is something I, that's worth going to get and now I have all this debt and I can't pay it back where's my you know and so there's this part of it where it's a handout to their constituency because they did encourage them to go and take on this debt to go into these these areas of study
0: and what is the primary constituency of the Democratic Democratic Party. Academia. That is their primary constituency now. They're trying to train everybody through a woke academia, through the very liberal, through the very, I mean, you look at schools now, they all, you have to have, in order to be a professor at a university, you have to have your plan written up in almost every university, every major university in the country, and most of the small ones, including the private Christian ones, you have to, when you apply to be a professor now, you have to have a written explanation how you're going to do diversity and exclusivity diversity equity and inclusivity and how you're going to further it not just how you support it you have to have a written plan to say how you're going to further it in order to become a professor academia is about now moving forward the identity politics that's its primary motivation and that's why you get such a high percentage at most universities are very liberal and since the 60s, 63, I think, is where they started the government funding of colleges, there's been a huge shift in what a lot of these degrees are. And there's been a huge shift in cost because the person who wants a degree in philosophy that may never be able to make money in philosophy, it used to be reasonably priced. But because there's such a flood of money, everything's just priced through the roof so that these things that could be done out of interest, now they become very impoverishing.
1: Right. I mean, uh, Steven Pinker, a... Fairly, a very liberal professor, the author of, I think, The Language Instinct, who's done a lot of linguistic study. I think he used to be associated with Noam Chomsky. Um, he recently tweeted about there was one of these, uh, a fairly prestigious journal, scientific journal. He said, it is no, he goes, this is no longer an actual journal. And he cites, he shows a section in their, in their standards. And it's basically exactly what you're saying. Any findings that would cause there to be any any consideration that some group could be considered to be better than another group based on actual data will not be considered anything that would cause some group that's been showed status to be to be felt thought negatively of i mean basically they just they basically said science is science is political and they just i mean it's i mean it's and he's basically going. He's like I said, he's not conservative by any means, but he's looking at it and going, This is just the absolute negation of academia.
2: Open inquiry is cut off these particular avenues.
1: Yes. I mean he's like he goes I mean they basically just destroyed like you know, he goes they basically said you can't use the Bayesian theorem in any of your in any of your findings because it's going to come back and show you that some of these things are true. He goes, There's no way to avoid it. He goes, these things are true. What do you do? So I mean, yeah, I mean it's 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 here.
0: And so we shouldn't, you know, the level that this is pandering to the Democratic base is just, I mean, it is an incredible level. And you can see that it's the Democratic Party that's been, you know, and the more liberal you are, the Democratic Party, the harder you've been pushing. And Elizabeth Warren's really been pushing this and she's saying, how can you be so stingy to only give $20,000? How can you be like this? Well, if you look and say her primary, you know, the, the socialist wing of the Democratic Party, that's what the academia has been pushing for a long time, and this is basically sop to them. This is just handing them money. And so this is how they're trying to buy votes. The problem is there aren't enough voters in that constituency to win elections.
2: There's also the charm of wanting to be more like Europe, where you can look at various different countries where the, the a university degree is quote-unquote free. I mean, you pay for it by paying
0: really high taxes. but. Right everybody pays for it including those who don't go to university to the point right. where like i have a degree in computer science i don't i think in germany almost nobody gets a degree in computer science because it's you know everybody does does internship because it's just not worth it the universities are terrible so they say that they're free but they still all come to the united states don't they <laughs> so it looks like he's trying to do this and the democratic party for a long time has been trying to do this to to buy votes through these academic programs of a certain constituency. But what I think they've started to do is, you know, the Democratic Party, I think this is going to fundamentally cause some changes to who their base constituency is. Because like I said before, it used to be something like 38% white. And, you know, and it was mostly black and Hispanic, if you'd take it. And obviously there's other minorities. But what they've done now is trying to help the elite whites that are part at the expense of the blacks and at the expense of the Hispanics, and I think they've they've started to buy their own rhetoric, so to speak, right? So the blacks that they're talking to are, is not the guy who's who's working at the steel mill. The Hispanic that they're talking to is not the Hispanic that is doing construction. The Hispanic they're talking to is the guy that went through one of these academic programs, and he's saying all the Hispanics are people of colors, and they they, they you know. They need to be, have the right terms. They need to have the right pronouns. And so that they're, I think that they've gotten themselves in a case where they're talking to each other and they think that they're actually talking to representatives of these minority groups that are a big part of their constituency. But they don't actually represent it anymore, which is kind of what Donald Trump came in and drove that wedge to go, look, more blacks or the unemployment rate amongst blacks is better with me than it's ever been before. It is with Hispanics. And so to kind of separate the academic Hispanic from the the more general you know, call, class of the Hispanics in terms of where they are in work.
1: Right. But, they're kind of caught in a political echo chamber in a sense.
2: But at least one area where they are talking to their base, as you look at the statistics of the breakdown between men and women going to college, and it's skewing heavily towards women, yes. that tends to be a more democratic, especially when you talk about young women. Yes. You know, so if you have young women who have significant numbers, uh, significant debt loads, then you know, you're, you're talking to your base right there. You just don't quite realize you're, you're alienating other significant portions of your base. Right.
3: But you also have the thing of, well, if you know, a program for every social group, so you know, maybe, maybe this one hurts them, but they're also, you know, if they're poor, they qualify for all these other things that, that help them. So you know, do they? How does that balance out, and do they understand how that balances out?
0: Right, and what you've done is you've said if you're poor, but what they're losing is the lower middle class that isn't eligible for all those benefits, and at the same time didn't incur all this debt. the The common working man,
1: so to speak, that's right. who they that they've always been a champion. Of that's business. all. The, that's what
0: they've always said that this is who we're championing, and they're kind of walking around going, "How are we losing these people?" How is the, the polls now saying that that the Republicans might get you know, 25, 26 percent of the black vote? How might they get a majority of the Hispanic vote? They're like wandering around going, how could this happen? And it seems to me it's pretty clear how it could happen. Right. You were mentioning that women being a key constituency. And it, I mean, this has been true for a long time, is that there's always a, a gender gap between those who vote for Democrats and those who vote for Republicans. I mean, I think the gender gap goes back to. Ford, I think is where it started to be established if I remember correctly but here you see on this chart where before I was talking about men with women here you see all of their total lifetime earnings is significantly lower because I mean part of it is the fields that they choose and part of it is a lot of them don't continue and work that long I mean most women end up having children or out for children more and so their lifetime earning is simply less but, you know, here you're looking at that and some of them, they could say, yeah, I need this student debt paid off because I'm only going to make a million more than the person with the high school diploma.
1: Whenever your entire time in the career might be 10 years. I mean, you know, it's like if you're I mean, if you're only going to if you're as a man, you're looking at I'm going to work in this field for 30 years. And the fact that your first 10 years, you're going to have a reduced income. That's not as big of a deal, whereas if you're going to work for 10 or 15 years and your first 10 years are going to be greatly reduced, that starts to be a lot more significant percentage of the total amount of time you're going to be in the, field, in the force at all. And, right. so, I mean, so the, and you look, and some of the
0: statistics that I've seen, it's like almost 60% are women now in colleges. I mean, it's shifting dramatically and rapidly. And when you look at that, a lot of those, they don't get nearly the return off a t- college degree typically than a man does just the reality of how life works.
2: Well, and the reason, part of the reason that there's that shift is because men are realizing that college is not appealing to them. It's right. It doesn't make financial sense. People are, are coming to that conclusion more and more. For many people, not everybody, but for many people, college doesn't make any financial sense. And then for men in particular, you get to college and they tell you being a man is not good in right. every possible way.
0: And being a white man is even worse.
2: So- you know, so so you are seeing men who are just—they're not buying college anymore,
0: right? They're making a different financial decision.
2: And that's—and and what I'm saying is not a political statement. It's just that's just the facts of men are not going to college at the rates that they used to,
3: right? Which is, you know, a good thing. You know, there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, with the trades, there's this big dearth of not enough people who want to do the trades. The prices are going up because it's hard to find people. And so this is a way that, you know, to actually keep the lights on, keep the farms moving, all these things. If men are all going to college at the same rate as women, that's going to be a problem.
0: And the reality is computers tend to um, automate out the white collar jobs much faster than the blue collar jobs. Meaning that, you know, initially there was a lot of automation that got rid of some blue collar jobs, but those Because there's financial incentive in your manufacturing to automate something if you can. There's been automation that was 30 years ago. But now they're starting to automate, I mean, the white-collar jobs. You can have somebody that can do as good of a job in terms of, you know, psychoanalyzing somebody with a computer. You can just come up with a big enough database of of responses and have them chat with somebody as opposed to a person, right? I mean, you can automate away a lot of those things a lot better than you're going to be able to automate – you know, building a house,
1: blue collar. I mean, with the with those types of jobs, they've probably hit peak automation because you've actually seen jobs that they moved into automation, they weren't as effective, and they moved back into manual. And so, I mean, I mean, I would just my suspicion is unless there's some sort of major shift in there that where they figure out some way to solve something, which I'm and they're I working very to like unlikely. to
0: do 3D printing of houses and stuff, but that just seems more like a game than right. Like That's very practical in many cases, right? And as you convince people to take more and more debt, we have to recognize this is promoting immorality. In Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one, it says, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. I mean, when we're promoting to a class of people that they should take loan forgiveness, we're promoting immorality because the wicked borrow and do not repay. And to not repay that debt is actually still sin. Even if somebody says, you know, oh, you're so poor, we're going to forgive you the debt, you still have a duty to repay your debts. And to take debts that aren't repaid, and, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this when we talk about inflation because of this, is you're encouraging people to take more debt in the future. So there's a real promotion of immorality that will have a real impact on our society.
1: Just to clarify there, you were saying if a person tells you you don't need to repay who doesn't have the authority to tell you you don't have to repay. I mean, if you actually owe somebody a debt and they tell you they'll forgive you the debt, you don't have to repay that person.
0: Which, right, which is very different than a third party saying I'm going to steal from somebody else and pay the debt for you so right. that you don't have to repay, which is what the government's doing.
3: But, you know, just to spread the blame around, it's also wicked to entice someone to borrow money when they're not going to be able to repay. And I Absolutely. think there's a, there's a you know to a large extent that has been done with a lot of people and so you know
1: and let's be clear what their solution is not going to solve the problem i mean that that's that's part of it is if if you look at something and you go, college costs more than it should, so let's give the let's let's forgive twenty thousand. i mean if you f- go back and you say we're going to forgive twenty thousand dollars of debt towards paying that college. You're not going to do anything to reduce the the cost of college. In fact, college is going to go up in expense. You should expect that. The value of college is not going to increase. And no one is going to say, we should stop going to college and incurring this debt because you've told them that there's a very good chance that you'll be willing to pay for them. So, I mean, in the end... It, I mean, I agree completely with you, and the solution will make everything worse. It will make every single right. part of the current situation worse. You
3: know, if they came to a political agreement in Congress saying, you know, we're going to forgive X amount of student debt and eliminate the federal loan programs, I'd say that's a great idea.
0: Right. <laughs> we're going to take all the endowments away from the colleges and use it to pay down student debt because they basically lied to a lot of people about how useful the degree was. That might be just – right and then you solve the problem too because then all of a sudden the colleges will have to reduce their expenses
1: provided that the colleges committed fraud provided that the college I mean you you need to prove that they committed fraud I mean I mean that's that's very important that you actually prove that they committed fraud but in the end if someone committed fraud that should be dealt with and that should and part of
0: it is fraud that was committed was committed by the government Right. Because the government said that this degree is worth it, that the government's saying we'll loan you the money, that the government is pushing people to do it. But the colleges aren't innocent either because their response was not to go, well, we're giving a good value, so we're going to keep the value. Their response was, oh, the government's paying more money. Let's raise our rates.
3: Yeah, and if they were saying, we're going to forgive this money because we lied to you, they would demonstrate that by changing or eliminating the loan program. But they're doing the same thing. They can't say that it's because these people were lied to.
0: Right? So I've got another chart here. <laughs> this is comparing what the inflation has been in the colleges compared to what the inflation has been in the general economy. And so the first two columns in each one is the the blue and the orange are what the private school costs and what it would be. The orange is what it would be if it just increased at the rate of inflation. And the, the gray and the yellow are what public school costs are, because they're always cheaper. They have been since the land-grant universities many years ago. And so you can just see by the time you get into into now that the cost of college is almost, it's more than twice what it would be if it would have just increased at the rate of inflation. So why is it increasing so fast? There's this idea that if you pour money into something, that the cost of it won't go up, but that's because we've rejected all the most basic understanding of inflation. If you have X number of dollars chasing Y number of goods, you know, the price of the good is dependent on X and Y, right? The ratio of the two. If you double the amount of money without increasing the number of colleges, guess what? The price of all the colleges will double. That's how it works. That's basic inflation. And so, by the government pouring all this money into it into the into the education sector, all it's double, done is double the amount of money there. So the price of every education doubles.
2: And and so, what the 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 rosy thinking was is college costs too much. People are having to pay too much out of pocket. Families are paying too much. How about the government step in? And the government will cover part of that, so families have a smaller burden. And and what happened was not that. I mean, maybe in a very short term that happened, but over the long term, there's always a correction where the colleges say, look, we know how much families can afford, and then the government's willing to spend X amount through grants, loans, et cetera. Add those two things together, and that's going to be the cost of college for this year. And if you just say, well, that burden on the families is still too high. Let's put more government money in it the colleges are just going to run the exact same calculation and it's going to be higher because it's just more and more government money going at it. And you look at a chart like this and just recognize there's no good and service anywhere in in our economy except possibly healthcare and pharmaceuticals that you Which can is find a chart the same issue that exactly has so much issue. government involvement in it. There's nothing else where the rate of inflation of a particular good is as high as this except for possibly pharmaceuticals and medical care.
1: And the other thing you can be sure of is the value of college has not gone up. It
2: has not gone up at
1: this rate. If
2: if college were worth twice as much, then this rate increase would be worth that. But it hasn't.
0: And part of it is is you have to understand where this money is going. Because it used to be it was something like 5% of the expenditures of a college were for administrative overhead. It's now 45%. The money doesn't go to professors and hire more professors it goes to hire more administrative staff it goes to hire more of the college people rather than the people who are teaching so you haven't increased the college the quality of the college because you're not the people who are teaching are pretty much the same maybe you've increased it some but not very much the vast senior, majority senior of the senior director
1: of pronoun pronoun Right, adherence. because
0: now you have you don't have your you know your DEI officer you have your DEI committee a whole staff of people that are supposed to chase this stuff around and can confront people and most universities have a group of people doing this I remember back in the 70s I do remember in the 70s
1: you didn't take drugs you have a lot better chance of remembering the (laughs) 70s I thought that was the 60s but I was too (laughs) young but
0: but in the 70s I used to play tennis with a guy who was the the administrative officer for Dickinson College And this was in the 70s, so this is like on the far left part of that graph. And he said when he retired from that position, they built a building and hired 45 people to replace him. And that was the first decade after this stuff happened. Why did they do that? Well, the admissions group is the people that goes and gets all the loans from the government. So all of a sudden, what one person was doing, now you need 45 because they can get more money from the government. And so that's where the money went. That's where the staff went. That's where the increase in tuition went. I mean, like the school that I went to, there were people there that, you know, if they were paying for their education, they, if they thought about it, they'd recognize that the education wasn't worth it for them. They didn't have the background. They didn't have the, the, what was needed. If you're having to do remedial math to go to a high-level engineering school, you're not going to get a good ROI, and most of them drop out. The only reason they were there is because the government is saying, well, we need to prefer certain classes to try to get equal races there. And so somebody who would have gone to the university, I'm thinking of my roommate, who he would have gone to University of Virginia, and he would have been very successful. He was a very bright young man. But he's put in a school that he's promoted to that he was, he didn't, he never even heard of calculus when he was in his school that was in downtown Richmond. I mean, they didn't I mean he was came from the slums, and so and then you walk into a school where everybody has calculus, you're just so overwhelmed that how can you possibly do it but and if it was his money, he wouldn't have It was a horrible financial decision, but because the government got involved, it made a young man not have a college degree that would have had a college degree and would have had raised himself up in his standard of living compared to where his parents were i mean it's very it's you know, part of the reason it's saying that is we have to recognize there's a tremendous human cost here with what's happening. How many lives have been ruined by, instead of being making somebody into a productive person, they convince them to do gender studies. I mean, the whole gender confusion stuff and all this, this is because of this government funding. This idea that you're going to take people who are in the lower classes, and that you're going to raise them up to a level that's beyond their abilities because they don't have the training, they don't have the background. I'm not saying they don't have the the aptitude, but you take them and you put them in a place where they can't be successful. That only happens because the government's involved. So many lives have been destroyed by this, and so many people that would have been very capable, contributing members of society that would have raised up a group of people get destroyed by this stuff. I mean, it's just horrible. It's just evil.
2: And it's there's at least two other vectors that happens on as well. It's, number one, you just take somebody out of the workforce for four or five years who has no business being at college. Right. And they they should have gone right into a trade where they could have been making money right away. So there's that element too. But then on top of that, you have the number of people who, because of the debt load they have because of the financial burden coming out of college, and then not having a degree where or the, the sort of job where they're getting a return on that, they decide we can't afford a family, right? And so you have all these people who are deciding not to have children or delaying having their children, or having smaller families because we can't afford it. I, you know, if if my decision is paying back my loan, or you know, that might be that might be the one good thing that comes out of this. That might be, and 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 that's saying everything about this is bad. But somebody might say, "Hey, you know what? Now I can God finally can still it. use it for good." God could still use, of course, he God can use it, it for good.
0: Absolutely, you know. And and you know, part of the good that He's using it for is the idolatry of education in our country. And hey, there's a lot of countries it's a lot worse. than I mean, it's you know, you go to Colombia and it's insane. You go to Nigeria and the the worship of education, the idolatry of education, is just insane. I mean, it's just they're just just the idea that education can save but the more like you were saying before more men are going wait a second this isn't salvation you know and there'll be other people that go because the prices of college is going to go up and there'll be more people that go this just isn't this isn't worth it this isn't a path that actually is helpful
2: and there's no way that it's sustainable i mean at some point the system's going to collapse or it's going to reorganize and people are going to look at more alternative higher education systems than the standard four year programs than the standard graduate programs. They'll find other ways.
0: And I mean all those you know, like Joshua did his online. And those other ways when you th- remember what happened, right? The reason that the university's system started, I mean there was a couple theories, but one of the main theories is that books were incredibly expensive and the university was a way that you could gather books together so that people would come to the expensive books and so they'd come to the books to study because that was the only you gathered the books in one place you know
2: and then you mean back when all the about books like, were handwritten printed press we're like 1300
0: 1,200, 1200s 1300s where like some of these schools started and this is where the university system comes from is it comes from the idea that books are so you know it's two years wages to ha- to own a book right well if you're going to then want to go read 50 books you either have to work for 100 years to get the 50 books or you have to go someplace where 50 other people are going to read them or 100 other right. people are going to read them so that you reduce the cost per person. And so that's the source of the university It made financial sense. It made absolute financial sense. But for now, a very small number of people relative right, to the population. Relative to the population it was an incredibly small number of people. Right. But now you look at it and all those books that all those people said we have to go to, they're all online now. You don't need to go anywhere. Most of the classes are even online. Most of the classes are even online. So that expense, no longer can college even sell it. What they have to do is sell that you got a degree from this school. So it's a marketing thing, right? This school is worth something. So it's about the name of the school. And the only value of the name of the school isn't their ability to teach because, hey, you can go. You know, MIT lectures are online. If you want to just learn stuff, you can go learn stuff. It's not hard. You can find it. That's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to get that that stamp that you have a degree from Harvard. And the stamp, the hard part of the stamp is not getting the degree from Harvard. The hard part of the stamp is getting into Harvard. And you'll make a lot more money if you have a degree from Harvard. Not because Harvard's education is great, but because they're really good at picking the smartest people.
1: And because, in a sense, what the colleges are doing is it's sorting. It's, it's sorting right. people into places because there are universities or there are businesses that are going, I need to hire someone who has who fits this thing and this university, like you said, RPI was a good, if you were gonna be an engineering manager, there were places who said, we're gonna hire people, we're gonna hire them, they're gonna do some work and we're gonna move them into management. This is where you hire, it was a hiring pool. And so Right, if you want a
0: practical scientist or engineer, you go to RPI. If you want a theoretical one, you go to MIT. If you want a lawyer, you go to Harvard. If you want a politician, you go to Yale. And it was all about sorting and saying, we know these people have a certain level of capability it's not the education they receive. It's that you've chosen and said, these are a selection of people. And we are also able to put enough pressure on them to show they're not going to crack under pressure. And so that's what they're selling. Well, there's other ways to do that. I mean, our system to produce that is incredibly expensive, like incredibly expensive to do that sorting. And that's all effectively that they're doing. You know, I. Jordan Peterson, I was listening to a clip by him the other day, and he said, you know, the, the greatest predictor of success is not what school you went to or anything else. The greatest predictor of success is IQ. That if you're in the 95 percentile for IQ, you'll be very successful almost all the time. And the rest of it doesn't matter.
1: Hmm.
0: And what happens is that the Harvard's good at finding the people that are in the 99%. These elite schools, that's what they do, is they find the people that can prove that they have the capability to, number one, they have the intellect, and number two, that they've done individual things to prove that they'll use it. So if you were a member of the football team, they don't care if you're the captain of the football team, that's worth a lot more. If you're the, ca- if you're the golf team, that's more than the football team because then you prove that you could do stuff yourself. And so they're looking and they're sorting to say, we can figure out who's successful because all we really care about is what they'll give as the alumni, how big our endowment will be.
1: In reality, it's the intersection of the IQ and the ability to actually go and do things. Right. Because in the end, without both of well, those. Well, I mean,
0: what Jordan Peterson says is that all the statistical studies, and this is from him, I haven't right. looked at anything, but he says all the all the studies show 95% percentile of IQ, that's the most important thing. IQ is the best predictor of success. That's interesting. But to get into Harvard, you need more than IQ. You need to all- right because now you're not talking about 5% of the people, you're talking about point zero zero one percent of the people right and to refine that it takes more than
1: just iq right that's interesting. It actually takes draw i know there have at least been some studies that have shown that a high iq without the without right. those other things they've, they've tracked a lot of people that had high iq that didn't have those other indicators and it, they weren't that terribly successful i mean and, and it may be and it may and it's be still the average of it may be success. measurable Success, you know like in the sense of they didn't like die of poverty i mean they you right. know and so that may be all they're measuring is
0: But anyway, so when you look at this enormously expensive system that we have that's effectively just showing perseverance and sorting of people into different categories, we spent an awfully lot of money to produce that. I can tell you I went to a pretty good engineering school, well-known engineering school. And in the end, I learned more in three months on the job than I did in the engineering school. And I knew more than my professors after working in the field for three months because I did that while I was in college. But
2: there's a sense in which industry, certain industries are happy to let the university do that sorting system Absolutely. for them. And other people are just like, hey, we'll take anybody. But but certain are, are happy to let somebody else spend a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of time sorting people out. And that's what they care about with the degree. They don't really care about, do you know anything? Because they're going to teach everything.
0: Absolutely. And I'm just saying that I don't think a half million dollars is what's necessary to do that sorting. We've, okay. we've gone too high. Fair enough. I'm not saying that industry should do the sorting. That's ridiculous. That's that's not what they do. You do need somebody. You know that man that I was talking about that did admissions. After he retired, he went around and consulted with companies so, because. His job was to figure out who would be the most successful. And so if they were hiring people, if they were hiring an executive, they would hire him to come in and interview all the executives. That's how my father met him, as he was interviewed when he was interviewing to be a CFO for a company. And that's, you know, because he had that skill set. And I'm just saying that it shouldn't require the university to find people that can sort like that. Because what you really need is the skill set to sort, because the industry typically is not going to have it.
3: But, you know, for many years they got by without having – most people going to college to sort things for them. So, you know, most industries got by without, you know, the college sorting it for them.
0: Apart right, of it is the, the, the way they sorted them. before is you have a factory floor that has a 1,000 people. You put everybody in that 1,000 people, and it will sort itself really quick. Because, I mean, it does. That three months, it was sorted at the company that I was at. I mean, by three months, I had two people reporting to me. I mean, two people that got paid a lot better than I got paid. But – they couldn't tell me what to do, and they were willing to hear me tell them what to do, so it worked out that way. But you know what I mean? In companies, it sorts – like when we hire somebody, frequently I hire somebody thinking, well, they'll have this position, it changes because as soon as you figure out what their real capabilities are, you know what I mean? It, it – nature – I mean, the business environment sorts pretty quickly. So, I mean, as we talk about these things, it's really important for us to recognize just – when the government gets involved with things that it shouldn't be involved with, it really distorts them and it really twists them. I mean, I think your point, Jonathan, was you know, we're at 1.6% or 1.6 children per woman. We're a nation that's killing itself, as are most of the European nations. You know, Japan's worse, there's worse places, but we're a nation that's literally killing itself. And I do think that the college programs have, have a significant thing to do with it. If you spend four years doing something and then you get out, you meet a man, you say, I want to have children, I want to raise the children, and you go, but wait a second, I have this college debt and then what will people say? I spent four, five, six years going to school, and now I'm just gonna throw that away for a child. And, you know, all these debts, that you know, it's not just the money that you owe, it's also the the time that you've invested and the time that you've said this thing is very valuable, which is why I went into so much debt. And so you just can't throw that value away. I mean, so if,
1: go ahead.
3: so if, you, if you haven't noticed, you know, we started talking about the college loan forgiveness. But it turns out that's the tip of – I mean, that's bad and all. That's bad for the country. But it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, there's a whole lot beneath that that causes a lot, a lot of problems.
2: That, that it's, it's the tip of a growing iceberg, Right. Is is what we're saying is that the, the whole college <coughs> program the the financial costs of college are so high and this is actually not making it better.
0: Because you were talking about this thing has to grow until it explodes. The loan repayment assistance programs are like unbelievable. What these are the ones that already exist, you mean the one that already exist. Right. But if you wonder whether this will increase the inflation, you have to understand how it works. So in these silly degrees, (laughs) I'll call them that, gender studies, social services, and then some real things where attorneys want to go and be in a public defender's office or they want to go and be a teacher. After 10 years, usually their, their debt will be wiped out if they take things, especially if they do government work. Their debt's wiped out after 10 years. And there's also a limit of how much of their discretionary income they can spend so this would be after housing, after food, after other things. They say, okay, in this market it's this cost, and then this is what your discretionary income is based on what you make, and then you only spend 10% of your discretionary income. Okay. On this, what? 10% on what? To pay back the loan. Okay. That's so you the keep, max. So 90%, you, 90%, 90% of, your of your discretionary income you keep. It's yours, okay. And so <laughs> somebody that makes $100,000 if they're living in New York City, they might only be paying, you know, say fifty thousand would be their, their cost of living, then fifty thousand, so they might pay five thousand a year towards a student debt. So colleges went, wait a second. And especially law schools do this. They go, since you have these people that go into the public defender's office, and there's people, especially if they want to be politicians, they like to go into the public defender's office. Or they like to go into politic or into the government because that's a good basis for which to become a politician. So what about if, here's what we do. What we do is, because it doesn't matter, right, to the student who knows that their loan's going to get written off, it doesn't matter if they owe $50,000 or if they owe $50 million. They know in 10 years it's going to be written off. So a school can go to them and say, you know, our education used to be 200000 But here's the deal. We're going to make our tuition 400000 a year. But what we're going to do is take some of that money And we're going to do a loan repayment assistant program. What that means is for those 10 years, we're going to pay whatever the government says that you have to pay, 10% of your discretionary income. And we'll pay it all. So you will pay nothing for college. We're going to increase our tuition, but it won't cost you anything. It will all be written off.
1: But the college gets $400,000.
0: They, they,
2: they only have half that conversation with that student. You're,
0: right. Yes. I'm just saying that the whole thing. But but so what they do is they can raise their tuitions to whatever level they want because they know the students will never
2: pay it. The cost is basically opaque to the consumer right. of because the product. Because what
0: they're saying is, and they are saying to the student, don't worry how much money you borrow because you're – amount that you have to pay back per month is capped and we're going to pay whatever it is whatever it is their tuition
1: amount they can set is only limited by the limits that the government puts on the loan program right
3: so it would be like you you go to the hospital to get and they say well don't worry about your premium we're going to get we have a premium payment program we're going to pay your premium using the insurance company's money so that you come to our hospital
0: Right. Only there's nobody negotiate, like in an insurance company, the insurance company is negotiating the rates with the hospital to try to get the rates lower. There's nobody negotiating to try to get the rates lower. Because the government, especially the Democrats, they want to see academia get bigger because that is their primary constituency. That is who they're pushing for. And the people that follow after what the professors are saying. So these programs, this isn't something that's just made up. These programs are in effect now, that they're already doing this. You go to Boston University Law School, and they'll talk about their whatever it is, LRAP, that they have this program that it will cover all your expenses. You'll never pay anything back. And so when you have created a system where there is no limit to what gets paid, you know all these people are going to continue to just increase and, increase and increase and increase and increase their tuition to the point where the system blows up because they're all competing with each other. And now you're, and and this, now you're this doing this it on the other end. this loan forgiveness is really that, right? I mean, this loan forgiveness is going, we've created this, this monster, and so let's try to deflate the monster a little bit by giving more money that will actually inflate it more. But because they don't understand basic inflation— which you can tell by everything that they're doing. They have no understanding of basic inflation.
3: Well, I think that's unfair to these often very smart people. They understand politics and saying, some of you aren't gonna be able to go to the college you wanna to go to because we failed to negotiate. We you know, we said no to the college. They wanna say yes to everyone. And so it's not, I don't think it's fair to say they don't understand because I think they, uh, there's people there who understand exactly what they're doing.
0: Oh, they understand that. I'm saying the inflation in the general in the general oh, okay. okay, in the general economy, I'm not saying that inflation <laughs> the the schools they understand all that. I completely agree with that. they completely understand that. but they think raising interest rates and stuff will actually reduce inflation it doesn't i mean well, well let, let's just be inflation. really clear
1: this is the level of long game they're playing 60 years ago they paid for certain economists to go to college who would end up now telling them that if they continue doing this there will be no negative effects right. <laughs> i mean exactly this is the type this of long how, game right,
0: this is how <laughs> president biden gets you know 70 nobel prize winning economists or right. not 70 nobel prize winners but that 70 economists that are worldwide renowned economists which are all from academia to write things that are blatantly false. Right. That so are just they can believe their just own basic, lies. Basic economics. You increase the number of money, chasing after the same goods. It has inflation. Where in that is interest rates? Nowhere. How did the inf- interest get beaten in the 80s? How did it get beaten in the 80s? The only way that you can beat inflation is either you stop printing money, which means you shrink the size of government. Nobody's going to do that. The only other choice is to increase the production. So what did Reagan do? He cut regulations. He, in, he cut taxes on capital so that he would increase production, and inflation went away. You'll never get inflation, well, inflation away by raising— Inflation decreased. Decreased, So it yes, wasn't painful absolutely. anymore. <laughs> right. But you'll never get rid of inflation by the Fed raising interest rates because it's not dealing with any problem that's related. Because what will you do? You'll increase the cost of capital, which means you'll reduce production. You'll continue to print money. So what will happen to inflation? It'll go up. It'll shrink. <laughs> because you have fewer, more dollars chasing fewer goods. That's inflation. And so what all these things that they're talking about with the Fed, none of it's going to work because it's not how it works. It's really basic. This isn't like rocket science. This is really basic things that people have known for a long time.
2: But it sounds kind of tinfoil hattie, like it's grand conspiracy. And it's just
0: politics
3: <laughs> and, and, but you know they're also you know they also understand how the inflation works they're just trying to make it not as painful well i mean they, they also understand you know the pool of money that's out there and that if they're adding to it prices will go up but the the thing it they're they're just saying that well we can make it so that the benefits we get from it are better than the cost of people
0: maybe I, but i mean i don't see what they they think interest rates and they've talked about this since Keynes that interest rates will solve the problem and it never has but that's what they're going to do in a week or two they'll they'll raise the interest rates by another you know three quarters of a point or a point and it's not going to help it's not what does it now they might drive the economy into a recession in which case the gas prices will come down which is probably why probably they've come down money. already right. is because we've been in a recession the last two quarters we've had negative growth so guess what Oil always comes down when you have negative growth. But, but it doesn't solve inflation.
3: But if it, I mean, I, of course it doesn't solve inflation. But if, if it's harder to borrow money, then people are spending less. So, so you, do have, you do have some help in it. It's not solving the root cause.
0: But it's, the problem is it's it also reduces the amount of production. And the way to solve inflation is to increase production. That's why the inflation wasn't as bad. The way under to solve Trump.
1: inflation is to stop printing money. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I know you. Know, I'm not, but I mean, the way to right. slow stop, inflation, right?
0: Stop f- false weights and measures is the way to fix, right? Because that's the basic problem with inflation is false weights right. and measure. And they say the basic problem with inflation is production. Well, that's not true.
1: Right. It is. I mean, and this is this is one of the things. I mean. You will you will see, and I know people say they lie. I mean, their basic answers are lies. They are often the and the I think exact they frequently the say
0: them with great sincerity and belief. It's not that they're going up there and going, "I know this is a lie." A lot of the people, they don't know it's a lie. They think this is going to work, even though it's been proven over and over again that it doesn't work. And their answer, a hundred percent of the time, is always the same: "We didn't do it enough." If we would have raised the interest rates faster, it would have stopped it. If we would have spent more money, it would have stopped it. They always come back to the same thing. It worked. It just didn't work enough to stop it because we didn't do enough of it.
1: I mean, it, it honestly, what it reminds me of when you look at the politics, it reminds me of the story in the Old Testament where the two kings are saying, should we go to war? And they say, is there a man of God we can inquire of? And he says, oh, there's one, but he always speaks evil things against me. And then it shows this picture in heaven where God is saying, how can I cause them to go and do this foolish thing? And one of the spirits before God says, I'll go and put a lying spirit in all of his advisors. And then it comes back down to the scene where the, the man of God comes and he tells him, this is going to be doomed to you but then you see the false advisors and one of them has like made uh, horns of brass that he's come and he's put up a- and he's using it a- and he's and he's telling him you'll go and you'll drive your enemy i mean he's looking at him and he's telling him absolute lies and like you said with absolute you know with, with He probably
0: heard it from a demon he right, thought he with, heard it from right, god right
1: with with vigor and with and and this is—I mean—it hasn't changed. This is where we are. We've got computers in the background. You've got people standing, in, you know they've got degrees on the wall from the universities we've been talking about that are causing the problem. And they're saying that this will work, and it is—and it is lies. It is absolute lies. And
2: I'm gonna—I—I want to push on that, but I want to push it in a what might seem an unexpected direction, because you—you you have somebody. We—we've basically been saying a man cannot just come out and say your debt is forgiven the debt just sort of magically floats away into the ether and there is no more debt and now you know it's steady state before it's that's not the way god made the world god made the world where every debt's paid Mm -hmm. gravity happens water finds its level you know there's it's it this is just one of the basics of the world that god made and you know Check your Facebook feed. See what people are saying about this. See if they say, well, no, don't you believe in a God who forgives debts? Yes, we believe in a God who forgives debts because Jesus Christ paid those debts. When, when, our, when the debt of our sin is forgiven, it's not just that God said, oh, okay, I'm no longer holding that against you. He's saying, I'm no longer holding that against you because everything that you owed me, and you owed me everything— was paid by somebody innocent shedding his blood on your behalf everything balances the world that god created was such that things balance and how did we get to this point i mean like every podcast we do we're going to go back and we're going to blame the church and we're going to say the church has bad theology and we're the going to blame ourselves we're going to blame ourselves the church has said bad theology where we haven't emphasized the fact that debts get paid in order for them to be forgiven. We want we want forgiveness without payment. We want for the forgiveness of the debt without looking really hard at what was the cost of getting that debt paid. What did it really cost God and Jesus in order for them uh, for them to forgive the debt that was owed to God Almighty?
0: And to think that he would have forgiven the debt of somebody who just wants to keep being a greater debtor. I mean, that's the problem in the church right now is that people say, oh, Jesus Christ paid for my sins, so now I can go sin all I want. Well, no, Jesus Christ paid the debt for those who he gives a heart that says, I don't want to keep increasing my debt. And yes, I am. I am still a sinner. I'm going to increase my debt, but I want to stop. That's the heart that he gives to those who forget. I
2: mean that's the root of that verse that we read in, from Psalms where the wicked borrows and does not repay. This is what your entire life is until you repent and Jesus washes you with his blood is you are incurring debt, 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 debt that you have no intention of repaying until God calls it in and you spend the rest of your life in hell. But you you're if if that's where you are then you're living the same sort of fantasy that we've been talking about with politicians who think oh we can just make all
1: this debt go away with no financial consequences and i mean i want to go back to where early, earlier early on we we're talking i was talking about our misunderstanding of mercy so i want to make dan be the judge i'm the thief and I, st- judge? and I stole from jonathan i stole ten thousand dollars from jonathan and we go into the courtroom and we gave the example of if dan looked and said i'm going to forgive Charles his debt he steals from jonathan if he just goes, I'm going to pay Jonathan back, what he does is he sends a person out back into the world who says, I can steal and get away with it. But here's what Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ says, I'm going to pay you everything that you're owed. I'm going to, now I own your debt. Dan owns my debt. He's going to take me as a slave into his household and teach me to not steal. And this is Jesus Christ sending the Holy Spirit into the world. And this is why the church has a fundamental misunderstanding of what mercy is, is because if the judge just paid you, that's not merciful to me. I'm a thief, and you need to— st- the And it's law- definitely
0: not merciful to other people that you're going to steal from. Right. You've been so merciful.
1: You send me out unchanged, and, and the law following me, me having to pay you back, pay you back would be good for me. So if you want me not to pay the debt, you have to do something to me. And that is what, and we've eradicated that from the gospel. We don't understand what mercy is. The church usually preaches the first one. You just forgive the guy. At best, they go the second way where he pays the other person back. But they almost never talk about the sending of the Holy Spirit into the world, that you become Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, a slave of righteousness. That's lost. And God says, I make you my slave, and you will serve me, and I will change you so that you steal no more. And that, and if you lose that, you lose the gospel, because that is part of what Jesus Christ died on the cross for.
0: And so the education that universities are giving now is an education that, in the end, is missing the most important things, right? Because fear of, the God, fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. And if you do all these things where you go out there and you seek all this other knowledge and you seek to know about you know, gender dysphoria and or confusion and all this other garbage that they teach, or if you go there and you learn about engineering but without fearing God, in the end, you'll just be a, a rich person whose life is destroyed by your sin. And the reality is, is that somebody has to pay the debt, like you said. And if Christ doesn't pay it, then you'll end up paying it in this world and in the world to come. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about how, you know, he can't just go, it's paid. And the thing is, is that the one's a a single point transaction, meaning that everybody will see their 10, 20,000, whenever they do the applications and stuff, it'll disappear. But the reality is that half trillion dollars that he's talking about, or trillion dollars that he's talking about giving away, we won't see it, But in the end, what will happen is the money will not come into the Treasury that would have come into the Treasury. And so we're still the debt of the United States is still going to go up by half trillion dollars. It doesn't disappear. It's still going to go up. It just will take a year for us to for it to go up rather than it immediately. So on the one hand, they're going, you'll see this and other it won't affect the debt at all, but it will. It will just be dragged out more.
2: Because that's the way that God made the world. You can't right. you cannot eliminate debt. You can pay debt. You can move debt around. Somebody can buy your debt. But the only way that you eliminate debt is by paying it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. And if the church would get this right, then maybe the economists would too. But why would we expect the economists to do any better than the church?
3: Not directly related to what we just said but i think you know we've been talking about debt for over an hour and we can't we we should at least mention you know that the bible doesn't have a lot of great things to say about debt it says that the borrower is slave to the lender so you know a major part of this whole thing is our idea is that debt is great debt is amazing debt is how you succeed in the world that's not the bible's that's not the principle the bible teaches the bible teaches you you know shouldn't really be loaning up money to people all that much you know i mean there's we could do it probably an hour on debt but you know you shouldn't be borrowing money probably shouldn't be lending money so you know you kind of have this this, this mentality that that plays into this that's this pretty pretty broken
2: or at least you have to go at it with the calculation of is it worth it for me at this time to be a, a kind of slave right because the return down the road is better. Is it worth it for me this t- at this time to be buying slaves? And I know that that language is just jarring for anybody. But that's what the Bible says. If you are a lender, you're purchasing something from somebody. They are, in a sense, they are your slaves. And, you know, is it is that kind of thing the
0: sort of country you want to be part of? Like, and, you know. We think of buying a slave means that the the owner of the slave has no obligation. But when Christ buys us, he incurs an obligation. When any man bought a slave, he always incurred an obligation. And so when we loan to somebody, and I've done this before where I have not fulfilled my obligation to that person the way that I should have. Because you really create an obligation on yourself when you loan money to some people or somebody. I mean, I've done it where I've done it to be able to say to them, the wicked borrow and do not repay. So you should understand where you stand before God. But, but when we think about it, that the master, the person who's taking, who's the lender, he has a real responsibility to make the borrower better than he was, because he's to use that power that he has over him for the good of the servant, not for his harm, but for his good. And the government never does that. When you make the, when you become a slave of the government, it doesn't help you. It always hurts. You look, you look at, you look at the, the welfare programs. All they do is create greater damage. You look at, you know, so many, the, all these student loans, they create greater damage. There's so many, the small business loans, they create greater damage. You just watch and because the government is a lousy slave master, it always creates greater, greater damage wherever it goes. And so we should just be really cautious not to say, hey, I want the government to be my slave master. Our society wants to tell you that the only way you can be successful is to go out and borrow a lot of money to get a college degree. But you're borrowing it from the government. You're borrowing it often for things that don't have that great of a return of investment. Christians should really be asking themselves, what is worth selling myself for? Especially if you're a real Christian and Jesus Christ has bought you, why do you think you need to go and sell yourself to the government for a degree? So many Christians send their stu- their children to colleges and they incur huge amounts of debts and they do all kinds of foolish things that have no return because they forget what God says. God instructs us on these things. That's why we have spend so much money on education because we keep f- false weights and measures. That's why we have so many people that have so many difficulties in their life because they've sold themselves into slavery. And it's very sad, but the solution isn't to just say, let's just pretend like the debt doesn't exist or in reality have other people pay it. That's not the solution to the problem. The solution to the problem is to fix the system. Thanks for joining us. This has been The
1: Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for watching.